On this week's episode, we light the lamp, not the rat, with a Muppet Christmas Carol. Does this movie have too many Muppets? Not enough Muppets? And will Statler and Waldorf join our roasting panel? Find out now you're listening to our Season 4 Christmas episode of 24 Flames Per Second. Welcome to 24 Flames Per Second, the podcast that roasts the films we love the most. And as always, I'm your host, Robert Spiewak, and come in and know me better, man. Everybody, welcome to our, um, our, our I guess call it our real Christmas episode this year. Uh, we had one last week, but we're doing it up the right way this week with the Muppets Christmas Carol. Um, and yeah, everybody, welcome uh, welcome to the show. Uh, we're, very, we're very excited. We got a lot of folks on deck, um, including some surprise roasters that might show up near the end of the show. So be sure to stay tuned all the way through to the end. Um, um, so you can meet and see them. Well, not see them. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> meet and hear them. Um, but yeah, everybody, welcome. Uh, welcome to the episode. Um, I hope everyone's having, you know, happy and safe holidays. Uh, we're super excited to um, be recording this super way in advance. We're, <laughs> funnily enough, recording this the week of Thanksgiving, where everyone should be being, I think, based on the news I've been seeing, a little more responsible with their Thanksgiving travel. And so I hope that those of you that were able to, um, are able to have a safe Christmas um, as as much as makes sense um, for those to celebrate and for uh, everybody else. I just hope your season is going well in general. Um, but yeah, everybody, welcome to the to the show. And let's see uh, for our Patreon folks, since I already forewarned you about this, um, our hot take is going to be late this month because. Uh, a bunch of uh, you know movies that we're going to release theatrically are now releasing or premiering on streaming on Christmas Day this year. So um, stay tuned for the 26th. Um, we'll have a hot take for you then uh, that will be late that is going to be about some of those movies. Probably a new Wonder Woman. Um, there's something else that I can't remember right now, but um, it'll probably be in there too, at least one or two movies. Um, and so, yeah, everybody, um, if you want to get in on that, um, so for those who don't know, our hot takes are, are um, you know, our, our movie reviews right after we, when we could, uh, leave the theater, um, and now it's, it's right after we watched the movie on the couch and rolled over to record a video about it. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, everybody, head over to patreon.com slash 24flamespod, and you can um, help support the show, get in on that, and uh, hear a bunch of... There's a backlog of a bunch of great stuff on there now um, that you get access to just by uh, just by signing up. So, yeah, um, we uh, really appreciate those that um, are in our little Patreon pool. So go and, uh, and check it all out, y'all. Um, and so, yeah, I think without uh, any further ado, let's get in on to the Muppets Christmas Carol this week, starting with the Rizzo the Rat to my Charles Dickens, Kevin Connor. Robert, does that also make you gonzo? Absolutely. I, wow. Well, no, it makes me Charles Dickens. Oh, it's true. that's who he is in the movie. It's true. It's true. <clears throat> it's true. I'm oh. honored to be your Rizzo. Yeah. Well, very. I mean, you ought to be. Um <laughs> Congratulations, <laughs> but yeah, um, how's it going? How are you? Do, doing well, you know, we're getting into that holiday season, uh, like you said, 
week of Thanksgiving, but we're ramping mm-hmm. up to Christmas. So I'm, I'm excited yeah. um, to really kind of open up the holiday season with a, with a nice debate over this one. Is that like an unwrapping a present pun? Let's go with yes. Let's go with Great. intentionally. Yeah. I love it. Um, well, did you uh, did you watch the movie this week? Of course I did. Of course. Great. Um, well, what do you know about it? Uh, I know I know a couple things. I know that this is the fourth Muppets feature film, um, mm. and the first one after the death of Jim Henson. It's yeah. directed by his son Brian Henson, um, and this came out in 1992. And like we've been hinting at, is an adaptation of Charles Dickens' uh, story, A Christmas Carol. Um, it stars all your favorite Muppets, like. Gonzo, Charles Dickens, uh, Rizzo, mm-hmm. me, uh, Kermit, Miss Piggy, Fozzie Bear, and more. Also, along with that, stars a non-Muppet, Michael Caine. Um, well, yeah. I mean, the jury's out. It's true. It's true. He could be a I Muppet. I have not seen a Muppet negative test result. So. <laughs> they got this when now. I see it. Okay. Um, it was released to a middling financial success, um, but the film has grown to a more beloved status to some. But I guess the question is for this for this recording, is the Muppet Christmas Carol like Fozzie Wig's Christmas speech? Is it dumb, obvious, pointless, and short, <laughs> or do we love it? Okay, I mean, I think we'll, we'll get to the bottom of it. Um, well, well, thank you. Yeah, um, that's some that's some good stuff. It sets us up for success here. Uh, and so, yeah, let's uh, let's get into our panel this week. We'll start with. Um, a theater educator, Disney fan, and Zach Efron expert. You can find her on social media at Board Board Games. Alex Garamoni. Hello, folks. I'm back. Hello. How's it back, going? Back and better than ever. I'm feeling festive. I have not had a glass of eggnog yet, but hey, listeners, if you're mm, near some eggnog, you. fill up a cup. Or just, you don't have to. You, you do have to. This Ugh, podcast becomes 86% better if you are drinking eggnog while listening to it. Mm, I don't know about the market research on that one. Okay. Uh, I, anyways, I'll send you my findings. I would love that. Um, well, anyways, it's, it's a, a great to have you here. Um, and also roasting this week, filmmaker and political activist. You can find him on social media at True Cody Olson. Cody Olson. Hello. Good to be here. Hello. How's it going? Good, good. I feel like I'm continuing my streak of, I think it's usually around November or December that I roast a, a seemingly unimpeachable beloved film. Uh, hmm. I think I, I did like Empire Strikes Back. I think it was around December and we did that. Yeah, uh, so we're, we're in to go on this and yeah, I'm really excited to talk about it. Well, very good. We're excited to have you here. Um, and on the defense this week, uh, dungeon master to the stars and an actor himself. You can find him on Twitter at not Chris Evans, Evan Christopher. Hello again. Thanks so much Hello. for having me back. I'm glad Absolutely. to defend Christmas again from all of these Scrooges and humbug. Yes, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> it's great to have you here back again for our second Christmas movie this year. Um, and so let's uh, let's get things going. We'll start with the same way we always start. First things first, we do movie in a minute. Um, and so, Evan, will uh, get the full plot synopsis, spoilers and all, of A Muppet Christmas Carol uh, from you. And we'll give you 60 seconds and a three count. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Well, here we go. In three, two, one, and go. The Marlies were dead. That is what we know. 
At the same time, we also know that there is a person called uh, Ebenezer Scrooge who is known to be the biggest jerk in all of England at the time that is known to be shrewd, um, uncaring about others, and non-charitable, uh, keeping only to himself, loving the dark. He is known to be pretty much the worst person alive at this point. Um, during this time, he begins to have hallucinations of his old partners, the Marleys, who come and visit him, telling him that his path to life is wrong and that he'll be meted by three spirits in order to help fix his life. Um, along this time, he meets the ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, and the ghost of Christmas future, um, who all teach him uh, valuable life lessons about how he has uh, brought himself into this uh, terrible spiraling hole of uh, despair and deceit until he eventually meets um, several people along the way that help give him spirit, which then he becomes a much better person and brings himself into the better eye of everyone around him and becoming an extremely good and charitable and person. And you're out of time. We'll count it because it's pretty much it. He's a changed man. Um, and it's Christmas. What does that mean? Generosity of spirit. I don't have to yeah, give you anything <laughs> when it comes to movie you, in a minute. You Scrooge. Wow. Just listen, man. It's not how it works around here, okay? Um, I'm just saying, listen, everybody, everybody gets judged on Christmas. It's its own little annual judgment day. Um, <clears throat> and you either get a presents or you get a coal. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the movie. Um, got the, got the three ghosts and Scrooge has the epiphany that, Hey, maybe being nice is also profitable, um, in terms of social capital. So, um, yeah, everybody, that's a, that's a Christmas Carol and a Muppet Christmas Carol. So you're welcome. Saved you reading a book too. Um, and so, yeah, everybody, we are going to take a quick break when we come back. Evan, we'll get your opening statements while you're here defending a Muppet Christmas Carol. Everybody, we will be right back. And we're back, everybody. Welcome back to our Muppet Christmas Carol and our second Christmas episode of the year this season. Um, before the uh, before the break, uh, Evan ate an entire Christmas goose in the form of... Uh, movie in a minute and so now let's get your uh, let's get your opening statements um why are you here defending a muppet christmas carol because i think it is one of the best uh christmas carol movies that are out there it's one that can be enjoyed by not just adults but especially by children and helps put the focus of charles dickens in a much um more comfortable and um friendly light Though some could say that there are some scenes that are much more uh, horrifying that you could believe for it. It's only because of the playful nature that we have for the Muppets that we have for it that makes them seem more scary. Had it been in any other movie, it would be something that would be laughed at. This one, where you actually can, having an emotion of being feared and scared at these points, shows about how diligent they are on their own work. Um, with puppets that makes you fearful for things that are going on, thus creating an emotional response. This movie has several emotional responses that people can feel themselves connected to. The heartwarming scenes that you have with Tiny Tim and how you feel bad for him. The, t the scenes with the scary ghost of Christmas Future. Um, and you also can feel the, the changing of the guard for Ebenezer Scrooge with Michael Caine taking this completely seriously and not treating it as if it is a Muppet movie, but almost as if he was working right with Shakespeare's um, Royal Theater and not giving a fuck about the Muppets, period. 
And I mean, and that's what—that's the kind of energy you want to bring to a Muppet movie, right? Not giving a fuck about it. Right. I mean, the great <clears throat> Michael Caine brought Michael Caine. It was joyful, you know. Michael Caine. Yeah. Um, well, well, very good. Uh, so, in turning it over to the roasters, um, let's. Why don't we start with Michael Caine? I don't know let's, who would like to go first. Yeah, let's start with Michael Caine. So, for all intents and purposes, Michael Caine is the only human character in this movie that matters. I'm not counting Fred and any of his business. And it just sort of seems like a waste. Like there could have been a Muppet in that role that would have been really fun and enjoyable for the kids to say like, oh my gosh, there's this Muppet who I really like. There's this character who I love already. And instead we've got just hours of Michael Caine being very crotchety and doom and gloom. And I think that it doesn't quite suit the whimsy of the Muppets to have an actor treating something as seriously as he does take the role. I think that it doesn't serve what makes the Muppets great because the Muppets are great in how ridiculous they are and how ridiculous they interact with the world. And by having this very human grounded character, we miss a lot of opportunity for whimsy from the Muppets. Yeah, it almost sort of feels like the movie is splitting the difference that instead of just committing to we're telling a movie with the Muppets, it will be an all Muppets cast. That it almost, in a weird way, it feels like the token human of the cast that like there maybe wasn't this level of confidence to say we can tell this movie like this with the Muppets. And so, no, we need to legitimize it by having this esteemed British actor in it. And I think to us, it was kind of, it goes, ironically, that is maybe the weakest part of the film. If it had just gone full bore into what it, what the soul of it actually is, then it and had that confidence, then I think I would have preferred that. Well, um, I will disagree with you as politely as I can. <laughs> as the, the, So you can go ahead and just say, all right, well, Scrooge's son and his wife, we'll just throw them out because I believe they don't matter. I mean, there's also Belle, who was a very big romantic interest. And for de- depending on which one you want, watch, whether it's the Disney Plus one or it's the DVD, Blu-ray, VHS copy, there is a very heart-melting um, scene that's, that's about love that Belle sings, which makes it very important. And you can see that the characters, aside from Tiny Tim, derive, that the human characters drive the most amount of emotion. You can see... Uh, Ebenezer's heart break when you see his uh, own nephew, his only family left soever, uh, making fun of him in front of all of his uh, family and relatives, right? Um, and he, 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 that's during the point of where he is actually making his change before it even hits Tiny Tim. So it, is, it does become a very important part of seeing his heart soften to that point of seeing that he's not feared and respected because of the money that he has, but is more of a, a, a laughing joke and a, a cankerous pus on the, on society. I'd argue though, that him being a human doesn't add to that journey though. Like if, if he was a Muppet and Fred was played by a Muppet, that would still have as much bearing as Michael Caine doing it. And since you brought up the song that Disney did choose to cut from the film, the only song and the only scene in the whole movie that's just humans, Disney itself was like, you know what? This actually doesn't fit the story. This doesn't add to the story. Let's pull it out. So the reason that they pulled it out 
for a lot of reasons was that it didn't add to the story. It was really sad and depressing and like just dark for no reason. And they just yanked it out of the movie because they knew that they were leaning way too hard into the dark by putting in these human characters instead of embracing the whimsy that comes from the Muppets, right? Like they could have left it in, but they didn't because it didn't suit the vision for what the Muppets could be or what the Muppets should be. And it sort of muddles the story a little bit. I agree with what Cody said of in a big way, Michael Caine is sort of the problem of the film. Like a lot of the problems you have stem from the inclusion of this human instead of using another Muppet to be this character. Even if it was a new type of Muppet, I, I think it still would have suited the story better. In a weird way, this might be a little tangential, but to me, it, it's similar to when somebody says something like, oh, you know, it's it, it's not just a comic book movie. And it's like in that moment, they are trying to, they're trying to lift their story up by putting an entire genre down instead of saying it's it's of the upper echelon of this genre because it functions within it well, right? And so instead of just going, it'll be all told by Muppets because we do that, we do that well, we make it engaging. It goes, hey, it's mostly Muppets, but parents, don't worry, there's there's human actors in there. There, there is a man for you, yeah, to, right. for you to watch. We got you the best man they had. <laughs> and to their credit, they did, but it just, yeah, it feels like it blunts the, what I feel like the mission of the film could have been. Well, then I would have to bring into this case in point that this is much different than Jim Henson's um, older films that were came beforehand because most of Muppet movies tend to actually have a pretty good split between um, both human and Muppet. Actually, at some points, having more humans than Muppets for some of those films. And in that case, during this, you actually were able to hire more people um, to have to operate the Muppets, to speak for the Muppets, giving them more work to be able to do than just a regular human actor for that. So I would say that having more Muppets isn't necessarily a bad problem. And having one person who is obviously supposed to be the um, ostracized main point um, to be kind of separated from everybody else, having that is a pretty stark glaring image and being able to say hey obviously this is the focal point that we're staying at i mean this is a movie that we're watching here of uh starting off as a villain this isn't like a heroic rise this is a tragic film of somebody coming to terms of who they've become and having to learn how to get themselves out of uh the turmoil that they brought themselves into and having michael kane take it completely serious and not falling into muppetry uh, compared to other films and having the rest of the wackiness go on is a pretty good um, counterbalance to each other. So you have scenes that, you know, that aren't very wacky that hits you harder. I guess to push back on that would sort of lead me to my next point, which would be that there is such a mix of tone in this film that it's kind of hard to keep up with. Uh, it's a big mix between humor and horror and very dramatic and serious situation to very, all of a sudden it's like, boom, and we have another joke about Rizzo the rat smacking his head on a pole or boom, we got this happening right after, you know, we find that Scrooge was left alone at his boy's school and it was really sad. It just yeah. seems a little bit tonally confused, you know, like we uh, don't. To jump in for a second, because like that was a, a pretty clear visual. It's like, 
oh, he, he grew up alone and didn't have anyone else. Rizzo's on fire. Like, you go, but it's totally that. Yeah. And then in addition to the kind of the, the sadness, you know, and the, that being undercut by the humor in the moment, I think it does the same thing with horror elements. So Christmas Carol is in its original text is actually quite a scary or horrifying story. Charles Dickens himself said that it was meant to be a scary story because it's got ghosts and things coming back to haunt you. And it seems like a strange undertaking to look at that and say, let's throw in the Muppets. But when they did, it sort of confused where they should go. We go from very lighthearted, like the ghost of Christmas present who has this beautiful song about wherever you find love, it feels like Christmas. And you're just like, Oh my God. Yeah. I'm vibing. I'm with this guy. And then he's like, Hey, by the way, I have to go die right now. And you're like, (laughs) sorry, what? Okay. You're going to go die. And then they're going to send in the crypt keeper Muppet. Like, what the hell? Like that was so scary to me as a kid to all of a sudden be in this haunted, terrifying graveyard. And Rizzo is like, we're scared. We're going to leave too. Like, dude, no, you sold me this story. You have to stick with me on this. You know, like I just find it to be a little bit, I get a little bit of emotional whiplash. You know, I'm thrown back and forth between wanting to giggle at moments. And then all of a sudden it's like, also everyone you've ever loved is dead. And it's like, (laughs) okay, cool, cool, cool. Love that. Happy Christmas. Adding on to that real quick. I think um, to look at a good example of that, of, of a films that are able to nimbly kind of jump between those genres, Disney films, I think at their best are, you know, can be scary, but then they can also be happy and whimsical. And I think sometimes this film it like swings for that, but it just doesn't, it's like the bat doesn't connect with the ball quite as much as Disney films when they're, when they're simultaneously for kids and adults at the same time. Well, um, I guess we could definitely put that under fault of, uh, Brian Henson, uh, son of Jim Henson, as this was his first film. Um, and I, you, we could even say in the film that there are several points where, I know for those terrifying moments you had talked about before, Alex, that I think there's even a scene where Rizzo is talking with uh, Gonzo, Charles Dickens, that is like, uh, this, is, is this going to be too scary for kids? And he goes, no, I don't think so. Um, but yeah, like the, the story itself is supposed to have a moral. And I mean, I think most of us here understand the moral of um, A Christmas A Christmas Carol. I mean, this is a movie that has had not two not three but at least 50 um iterations on some kind of uh, from media site not, not counting how many that are done um every year around uh, america during christmas time um we i'm sure it's a it's a horror story that you could say for having ghosts but i mean these aren't the ghosts that we have for today. These ghosts don't actively hurt anybody. In fact, I think it got changed from ghosts to spirits. So they're, they're more of a, it's not so much of a ghost and just the Marley's are ghosts that come by to warn you that being greedy and avarice and, you know, kicking young children out of an orphanage to have them freeze out in the, in the winter time hmm. is a very bad thing to do. And that is, probably pretty generous if you have money to give to those in need. I mean, 
I think most of us here could agree that, you know, for those who make an abundance amount, Jeff, ah. that um, you could probably share with the world. He's on Mark. first name basis. Y'all. So <laughs> I guess <laughs> they're listening. They're our top subscribers. Sup, Jeff? Fuck you. They, it's, it's a Muppet Christmas Carol. Everybody's going to listen to this I one, guess baby. my question then is, why do they build up the the horror and the tension in that way, if only to undercut it with another joke from Rizzo or from whatever Muppet it is? Like, why did they make a character that is creepy and scary if they're just going to undercut it? Why do they talk about death in such like a scary final way? if they're just going to undercut it, you know what I mean? Like instead of letting it be a reality of like, this is really scary and this is really serious. It it was all undercut by jokes, jokes, flying fish and Swedish chef and singing cabbages. You know what I mean? Um, I can tell you right now, uh, studio. Studio thinks children are stupid. Studio thinks parents get upset. Studio goes, we need to do this. These are, I mean, I think everybody knows that studios will be like, well, you need to have a certain kind of formula for things to work. So if you have something that's just dark and serious in a children's film, you have to then do this. Cause I can't think of any movie, like even like with Casper or anything that has to deal with any like really serious issues that when things get really too like intense, there's some kind of joke to help break it up. Right. And it's just like how we had talked before about the scene that was cut. Right. Brian Henson wanted to keep that in the film because he believed it was important. He believes it as being a part of that. And the studio was like, no, we're cutting it because we think that it's too sad. And so the studio had final say on that, which made everybody kind of like confused towards the end when they had that moment. When put back in, more people were like, oh, that's why. And they enjoy that more. More people I know enjoy the non-censored one to this one. And so, you know, we can look at a studio and studios usually are made to help. But also we can always always take a look at some point in the movie and be like, oh, studio interfered for that. And that has to be part of a formula because, again, they need to have some way of being able to make bank on the money. Well, if that's the case, I have a few questions for the studio about some of the design choices made for this film. Uh, Cody, I can answer those too. Cody and I were talking about this. I would love, yeah, get them on the line, please. Cody, can we talk about the ghost of Christmas past? Alex, let's talk about the ghost of Christmas past. Um, the, I think the, the abomination upon God that was put on the screen. Absolutely. Under the guise of imperial <laughs> beautiful spirit. Thank you. Yes. So- um, is, is actually terrifying and will haunt my dreams for quite some time. Absolutely. That that, yeah, that one? Yeah, let's talk about her. Or that, or it. I don't know what we're going it's with. It's a she. They clearly say it's well, a she. She's horrifying, then. I'll give my quick reaction on it. And so, you know, she she comes in as the spirit who's, who's benevolent, who's, you know, kind of, uh, you know, who's supposed to be kind and sort of bringing him through um, his sort of his trials in this, I don't know, pretty like lovely way. But then there's a couple shots where we, the camera lingers for a few solid moments. So we get a good look at what the spirit's face looks like. And it is some uncanny valley, ungodly abomination bullshit. And it's like, <laughs> it, it's weird. It's like babyish eyes. I, I, it it, it kind of shook me, and I didn't notice it on my first time watching it, but this time rewatching it, uh, that spirit is, of all the spirits, including the Dementor, 
I'm afraid of baby doll spirit. That's what I'm afraid of. Um, what I was going to say is that the baby spirit is nightmare fuel. And there are other ways I've seen her designed that are, I feel like, more... I don't know. Let, like, if you're going to make the ghosts be creepy, make them be creepy, but make it consistent. You know, like, she was just so weird. It felt like she was just an added in, like, uh, shoot, we forgot to animate this this character. Let's just make her this weird little ghost girl. Like, she's supposed to be of indeterminate age and resemble a candle. That's what it says in the Charles Dickens story, which I get is hard to design, but I don't think we should have stopped and settled on weird gothic baby doll murder child because she, everything about her, her voice was creepy, her face, like it was just so unsettling. And I'm just surprised that that was what we went with, that that was the look that whoever made the final <laughs> call was like, you know what we should do? Creepy gothic ghost baby. And everybody in the room was like, Sounds good to me. I mean, Sounds it good. Was, it was certainly Brian. Know, fair enough. <laughs> they, the, the Dementor, the the Dementor Ghost of Christmas yet to come. He takes He's less scary of her. <laughs> he was a scary. He spends his days taking notes, just watching the creepy Christmas spirit baby, and he goes, "I wish I could be that scary. I wish I was half as scary as Abomination Child over there." That's what he thinks. <laughs> ouch ouch that is that is Personal that is facts. just a bunch of pure humbug that is all you humbug. just humbug all right it's all humbug because listen look i think um we we forget again this is a um christmas story that is made by the henson family so aside from uh just Sorry, aside from just Muppets, there's also other um, Henson ideas that are in here, like the Otters Family, um, a Christmas story, not Christmas story, uh, the Christmas toy um, shows up in it as well. You also have um, the Scary Child, which is a nod to um, his favorite movie done by his father. Um, she's a Gelfling from the Dark Crystal. Oh. If you look at her face and you look at her, she is straight up a Gelfling. So um, I, I, don't, I don't appreciate the, the Dark Crystal bashing so much, but... We're, listen, we're talking uh, about a different movie. <laughs> but that is what, that is what the Christmas from, uh, the Christmas from uh, past is. She, she is a Gelfling. Mm. He had said specifically that he wanted to have one from every one of his productions in because it is kind of his hallmark. Same way as when you see... Um, Kermit walking down the street. The hallmark for a Jim Henson film is typically Kermit with a wishing star. That is something that's seen within most of his movies. So hmm. um, I don't see it as being nightmare fuel. I could say that it's a little disorienting uh, compared to all the other um, colorful Muppets that we get to see. Um, honestly, my favorite Muppet is uh, the little rabbit yeah. um, that gets bullied most of the time. Uh, but I think that it's not a. I don't think it's a bad thing to go ahead and do a nod to your father after you know he had done so much and brought so many great things. I want to talk. Oh, sorry, Cody. I was just saying I, I, that's totally fair. I just want the nod to the father to not keep me up at night. And yeah, so far, we didn't cross that threshold. Yeah, I want to talk <laughs> Muppets now. Like I, because you brought up that adorable little bunny guy. His name is Let's... Bean Bunny. Mm -hmm. 
Hold on, maybe a second to get over the emotional (laughs) impact that just had on my heart. Holy cow, that's so cute. As you do, as you do that, I have I have something else um, that might help fix that uh, a little bit for you. Originally, it was thought of to have Kermit as the past, Piggy as the present, and Gonzo was going to be the future. Interesting. Tell. But go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. But they decided against that. Because the studio said, no, we need to have them in much more prominent roles. For Tell me watch. why. When I told Cody my criticisms, one of them was saying, why couldn't Fozzie Kermit Miss Piggy be the ghosts? <laughs> because those roles are way more prominent than than uh, Bob Cratchit and Mrs. Cratchit. You're going to give Miss Piggy, star of stage and screen, <laughs> queen of all <laughs> pigs, that little screen time cooking in a kitchen? You're going to do her dirty like that? Miss Glam herself? I don't think so. I think that this film severely underutilized what they do the best, which is Muppets. The main character is a human. The t- three big you know, guides through time are just random characters that they created for this film. And they're we don't get more time... Also. Yeah, you're going to give Fozzie this little tiny part in the middle so you can make a rubber chicken joke because Fozzie wig sounds like Fezziwig. Like, okay, okay. Like, they didn't use the bread and butter. The Waka Waka boy himself. They didn't use the glamour pig. We missed out. I feel robbed. I wanted to see more time with the Muppets that I love so much and want to spend time with it it felt wrong and and if the studio made that call they made a bad call but clearly this production didn't fight hard enough to get me more time with my muppets and here's the thing i think watching this movie if you knew nothing about the muppets you would come away you'd go oh man those those rizzo and uh uh rizzo and gonzo Gonzo. They're, oh man, they're great. They're the main characters of the Muppets, right? Like those guys are standouts. And you'd be like, <laughs> they have solid parts in this film. I think that's, I won't roast that. But it's like, but you'd think they're the main characters. It's like they, they did write by these like two random pet characters. And then Kermit, Miss Piggy, all the heavy hitters just stunned into the side. You don't, we don't hear Miss Piggy. She doesn't yell at Kermit once. There's what? no karate. There's no karate. <laughs> she can't even remember There's no karate. name. <laughs> just, you know, it's just. Okay. Um, who here is a fan of musicals? I, I would say that would be me right. if I were to name names. Okay. Okay. Sure. Um, yes. Alex, quick question. Um, those who sing in musicals, are they non-primary characters? But typically... Like, let's say there's a couple characters that have two, maybe three songs. Um, would they be non-ancillary characters and that may be not important to the story? Well, it depends. Is it a solo? Is it a group number? Because being ensemble in a song, I'm not going to call that star potential. Uh, I wouldn't say that it's a solo, but I would say ensemble but has a main singing part not just part of the chorus that's a secondary role then which is what these characters have that's a secondary role if you get a featured part that's not the same 
Well, you had Kermit who sang a song all to himself with Tiny Tim helping in. You also had the same song that was sung again with him and Miss Piggy when they do the, the love song. And you like here's the thing. None of the humans actually get a song themselves aside from Belle who got cut out. Because, again, it wasn't Muppety enough for you. So they had what to about, cut that out. What about like when Scrooge is in his boyhood school and he's like really sad and very falsetto? Like... You're telling me that that is what took the place of a Fozzie tap dance number? So are you going to tell me that you didn't feel at all bad for a child who had nothing else but to stay there and study and no one else to look after him? So he developed a cold heart because nobody loved him until that point. So the one person that did, and he tried really hard, really hard to try to give them the best life that they could. But they decided that their work was work was not as important as them because they wanted to produce a really good life for him. And so, again, his heart gets shut down, turns cold as ice and shuts himself off from the rest of the world and needs someone else to break him out of it. Is that what you're going to tell me? I'm, I'm, I'm telling you I would have enjoyed it more if it had been Kermit's little heart getting broken and I could have been like, <laughs> oh, Kermit, no, you know? I'm here for the Muppets. I signed up for Muppet Christmas Carol, not Michael Caine plus Baby Doll Ghost plus Crypt Keeper Muppet. Like, no, I'm here because I want to vibe with the Muppets that Jim Henson made and that Brian Henson is supposed to be honoring. And if we're putting in all these random new characters and putting them in the featured parts and just sort of sticking characters where they fit, you know, instead of challenging the story itself, we had to make Miss Piggy fit into the little narrative structure that exists instead of letting Kermit exist and shine because he has this great song early in the film, but then we don't see him for a long time. There's, there's something lacking there. We're missing the Muppets and what people come for is the Muppets. Well, I think, um, I think we're about at a point where we've got to call in the auxiliary reserve roasters that reserve roasters had mentioned before. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, just, you know, we're almost to time to unmask anyways, but you know, we want to make sure this we is don't. a four on one deal now, Robert. I mean, it's, it's the holidays. It's all about being generous. Um, and so <laughs> there wasn't was, earlier, uh, but now it is. I mean, we'll see how this goes. We're trying it out. It's a new thing we're trying with the show too, where we bring in two random people off the street. Um, and so we've got uh, a couple special guest uh, um, roasters that, you know, I think will be familiar to those familiar with the with the Muppets. And so um, I'm really hoping for the best out of them. And I guess, oh, here they, here they are right here. I think it's, it's, uh, it's Statler and Waldorf. We're so excited to have them joining us. Oh! Oh, thanks for having us on the podcast. <laughs> All right, we got a few thoughts about this film right here. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Here we do. First off, off, it's a Christmas carol, right? We came for spooky ghosts. We we, but we don't see them for the first thirty minutes of the movie. Yeah, except for all the ghosts in the audience who died of boredom. Ho 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 ho. Now, now, also, also. You know, you get to see a, a lot of the Muppets in this film. A lot of the Muppets. And you think that's a good thing? No! No, we get to see their creepy little spindly legs. It horrified me! Yeah, oh, terrifying! Ho, ho, ho! And finally, and I know this was touched on earlier by a very 
beautiful podcast guest, but uh, <laughs> in the films we release, they cut a song. It's their own movie, and they decide to cut a song between Scrooge and Belle. It took away the emotion. It took away musical theme. It took several minutes off the runtime. We loved it! (laughs) Sailor Waldo, if y'all got anything else, or is that it? Head shakes are fine. You don't have to speak more. Okay, great. Um, Evan, (laughs) I don't know if you need to qualify those folks with a response. Uh, Well, you you know what? I would say... Yeah, uh, I would say um, it's it's it'd be hard to argue against two old floppy gentlemen. <laughs> they had some um, really good points. <laughs> yeah, they did have good points, uh, saying that yes, there was a lot of uh, Muppets that were in the movie, so not just yeah, they're weird Muppet legs, not like Muppet legs. Right, so we got to see a lot of Muppets, um, and so the human characteristics. Not as bad as we thought, as well as it seemed like the, they enjoyed that the, that the song was cut. Well. Yeah, they sort I think they lost the plot there for a second, but that's okay. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't get the pre-show <laughs> stick to your guns if, thing. If as a critic, you're happy when there's less movie, I, I think something that's went wrong. That's a criticism, I think. <laughs> that's their point. <laughs> Well, um, now that we've uh, entertained that experiment, I think it's time to um, unmask and let's uh, let's talk about how we, the the human folks we have remaining, really feel. Um, and uh, Evan, we'll start with you. Oh, I love this movie. Definite staple, uh, right next to Elf and uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Wow, very cool. Um, let's see. So, Alex. You want me to unmask? Please. I was Statler the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. That was the real Muppet. We brought him in. That's an um, unglove. Actually. That's you an unglove. You said yeah. you, were you were Statler, right? I was Statler, yes. Um, in reality, this is my favorite Christmas movie. This is the hardest mm. film I've had to roast. And I had to roast Twilight, which is one of my other favorite movies. Um, this is my favorite Christmas movie. I love this one. The songs are like I listen to One More Sleep Till Christmas on Christmas Eve before I go to bed every year because it like totally just warms my heart. I love the Muppets and I love the way that the music was done in this movie. I think that it actually does a great job of getting kids interested in a story that uses so much of Dickens' original text and language and still does it in a way that's digestible for kids. Um, I love it. It makes me very happy. And it was very fun to get to rewatch. And I know I will be watching it again before Christmas. Uh, Cody. Yeah, so I, I watched it for the first time last year with you guys and absolutely fell in love with it um, and had the same opinion when I rewatched it this time as I knew I would. I think it's, I mean, it, it both is genuinely heartwarming and also is the screwball comedy. I mean, the way that they cut back and forth between uh, between Scrooge going on his emotional journey and uh, Rizzo and, and Gonzo having just a, a a terrible but a, a hilarious time trying to like keep up with him and just being physically t- 
taken through the ringer the whole time. I think it's just, it uses space well. Like, there are physical gags that are great. There are, you know, there's lines of dialogue that are really funny. And I teared up. I texted Alex. I was a little... I was a little drunk when I was watching, so maybe that contributed. But whoa, man! <laughs> I teared up at the end. It was, and it was specifically even um, Kermit. Kermit, as the character says, uh, when they're kind of mourning Tiny Tim, he says, "You know, life's life's full of it's full of uh, you know greetings and goodbyes." I'm paraphrasing, and something about that. Even this character in this future that does not even come to pass, having this dignity around you know his his son has died but he's still trying to kind of hold the family together and i was like this is so good this movie has so much heart yeah Yeah. kevin i mean to be honest uh i'm still not over the the guest starring of waldorf and and everything uh that's a big (laughs) get for the pod monumental um for this movie though it's it's a delight it is is through and through a delight. Uh, I had not realized how much I missed the Muppets until mm. I put this on, and it's a tight ninety minutes. You gotta love it. You gotta love it yeah. all the way, bar one to credits. Yeah, this was probably you can finish your batch of cookies. Yeah, <laughs> this was probably like my first favorite Christmas movie. Um, this was like a VHS tape we had in the house, and um, and and I still love it. It's like it's still at least like top two top three like i i, I don't know I, I have to watch it every year um like you know there's lots of good holiday muppet content out there you know the soundtrack of this movie joins the john denver and muppets christmas album that also exists and is amazing um <laughs> and i have <laughs> seen i think one or two other adaptations of a christmas carol um and this is the best one. Like, there's not a better adaptation of this creepy You're not wrong. story. You are not um, wrong. This is the most accessible one. Uh, well, oh, re- oh, Evan, what other one st- when sticks in your memory as good as this one? And Scrooge. Okay. Well, I mean, that's degrees <laughs> separated though from the actual story. I think um, this one being set in the real time period i think you know kind of it, it gets at a lot of the fun and or a lot of the important and interesting pieces of it and also like michael kane shows the fuck up for the movie which like i don't know if you could say that about everyone that's been in a muppet movie like you know michael kane was like i'm ebenezer fucking scrooge y'all <laughs> i don't care if i'm looking at a tiny rabbit or a frog man or <laughs> a tiny doll girl like i'll play the part um and yeah i i this movie's so good like i after we talked about it like i want to go watch it again like <laughs> it's the best um and so, uh, yeah, everybody, that's that's going to do it for our Muppets Christmas Carol episode. Um, and we're going to keep talking on our extended play, um, which I don't I don't think I mentioned it earlier when I was talking Patreon stuff, but um, it's our post show that's just for our Patreon supporters. So if you want to hear more and get in on that and a bunch of other goodies over there, head to patreon.com slash 24flamespod. Um, and if you want to tell us what you think about the Muppet Christmas Carol, this is one movie that I'm very happy to invite commentary. Please do um, share your love of the film with us. Um, you can email us at 24flamespod 
at gmail.com. You can find us on social media at 24flamespod. Um, and wherever you get your podcast, go leave a rating, a review, subscribe. You know, do it for Statler and Waldorf. Um, and we'll, uh, we, we, you know, we look at those reviews and everything. We help make the show better. Helps more people find the show. So go and um, help us out with that. Um, let's see. This episode of 24 Flames Per Second was produced and hosted by me, Robert Spiewak. It's co-hosted by Kevin Connor. Panels this week on the roasting panel were Alex Garamoni and Cody Olson. And defending was Evan Christopher. Our show music is composed and performed by Rob Joins and Will Paulson. And our network and co-op Party Fish Media is produced by Quasi Phillips, Will Paulson, and me. Um, and everybody, that wraps up. For the most part, I mean, I guess, our holiday season this year. Um, we hope you had a good time joining us through, um, you know, November, our movies we were thankful for, and uh, our eclectic holiday programming that we had. Um, and, uh, yeah, everybody, next week we are going to begin our journey into 2021 with uh, The Princess Bride. So, everybody, come, come along by again for another bedtime story. Uh, and so, yeah, everybody, um, that's going to do it for this episode. We will uh, catch you next week. Bye-bye. Merry Christmas. Bye. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. That's already passed. Chains! Party Fish Media acknowledges that it operates and records on indigenous Duwamish and Puget Sound Coast Salish land that is still home to the Duwamish tribe. This land is stolen in violation of the Point Elliott Treaty of 1855. We are committed to uplifting the name of these lands and community members from these nations who reside alongside us. For more information on this land, its people, or ways you can help, visit duwamishtribe.org or realrentduwamish.org.